Hello and welcome to Series 6 of the Bible and Me podcast by Preset Ministries. We hope this podcast can bless you in your day-to-day life as you listen to a range of testimonies about God's faithfulness within the lives of so many. The views expressed in this podcast don't necessarily reflect that of Preset Ministries UK. But without further ado, here's the podcast. Well, what a privilege it is for me to be welcoming Sibby uh, to the podcast uh, today. Uh, Sibi grew up in Kerala in southern India, and uh, his parents were believers in Jesus. After finishing high school, he went to Delhi to complete a bachelor's in theology in the early 1990s. After this, he moved to the other end of India, to Kashmir, uh, where he encountered the Lord in the most amazing way. Since 1997, he has been working with a volunteer Christian organization, seeking to bring the love of Christ to the Muslim people in India. He's married to Namka, has a teenage daughter called Karina, and it is just a privilege for me to have you on the program today. So welcome to the program, Sibi. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, Sibi, I have a question for you. How did you come to faith in Christ, and why do you follow Jesus? Yeah, I was born and brought up in a Christian family. Uh, my mother told me uh, later, uh, she dedicated me when I was in the womb. <laughs> and, I mean, that knowledge was growing in me as I was growing as a child. Um, we know when you born in a Christian family, you do not know, you know, when you exactly, you know, um, started following Jesus. But the knowledge was growing in me, and uh, uh, the special event uh, took place in my life. It was a watching Jesus uh, movie when I was eight or nine years old, and I was so uh, excited about the movie. And uh, I wanted to be a follower, like one of his uh, disciples. (laughs) And uh, that, I mean, since then, uh, you know, I knew that. Really? And I wanted to follow Jesus. So eight years old, you watched a movie, the Jesus movie. Yes. Really? That was in your home or was it with other people? It was in a public place. And, uh, you know, really, uh, uh, my home is a small uh, area, it's a village. And we have to walk almost a three, uh, two kilometer to get a small town. Yeah. So that was the time that people brought Jesus movie, uh, first time. So we were, I was in, uh, excited. <laughs> and I came to the shop to buy something for home, but I stayed, <laughs> <laughs> stayed watching this movie and uh, I was so impressed. And uh, yeah, that was uh, uh, yeah, one of the turning points in my life. Really, aged eight, what a wonderful thing. Uh, and so you grew up in a Christian family, um, learning about Jesus, I guess, going to church, I suppose, yeah. regularly. Yeah, we were. Yeah? yeah. Did you ever have a hard time, any persecution or troubles in your uh, growing up as a child because you followed Jesus or not? Um, no, not in Kerala. Um, we have a 20% Christianity. Okay. And Christianity came there um, AD 52, uh, probably 19 years later after Jesus' death. So we have a living tradition of Christianity ever since. Yeah. So we have a good influence of Christianity in Kerala. Wonderful. Now, um, my second question there was, why do you follow Jesus? How would you answer that? That is a 
very interesting <laughs> question. Uh, my main reason is Jesus is God. And um, why? Because um, he, uh, he, uh, he, he made a radical claims that he is a son of God and he will die and raise again. Yeah. And the resurrection of Christ is the evidence of his radical claim. The resurrection of Christ is the evidence of his radical claim. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and also, it is for me is a, a reasons believe what he said because he's a historical person. Yeah. So that for me, AD fifty two, gospel was brought in Kerala, and all this. Uh, his, all his disciples were simple fishermen or you know how, what, how this is possible for them to obey and risking their life and coming over there since then we have a great tradition mm. of Christianity in Kerala yeah. yeah and it's not just myth or you know just an ideology mm. it is a living tradition yeah. for me yeah and it's a, the resurrection of Christ it's very historical. And what Jesus said, uh, it was true. Mm. And it is true. And, uh, yeah, if there is God, and through believing in Jesus, knowing Jesus is the, 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 the easiest to be. Yeah, fantastic. Now, um, after leaving high school, uh, you went to Delhi to complete a bachelor's in theology. And you then went on mission to Kashmir, uh, which is right in the north of India in the sort of mid-1990s. Um, why did you go to Kashmir, first question? Because, of course, you grew up in Kerala, which is the other end of uh, India. Why, why Kashmir? And what memories do you have of your time uh, at this time in your life in Kashmir? One of the reasons was Kashmir was the least reached um, place and uh, other reason was from the childhood and I was bitter in a little bit adventurous time and Kashmir and Afghanistan were the most dangerous place in the world in the 90s mm. according to UN record hmm. and I wanted to go there. <laughs> <laughs> they were the most dangerous places and you wanted to go and there <laughs> most people would turn the other ways to be <laughs> Afghanistan <laughs> and Afghanistan and Kashmir were the places I really wanted to go there but for some reason God was leading me to Kashmir and I ended up going to Kashmir hmm. and, and what are some of your memories of your time there for, for the three or four years that you were in Kashmir in the 1990s I didn't, even though I have some information about Kashmir, but I didn't have, uh, you know, practically how that it could be. So it is totally a different place. And during the winter times, I get isolated from the rest of the uh, part of India. No electricity, no proper uh, hot water. Um, uh, especially the valley will be under the snow for the six <laughs> months. Valleys would be in the snow yeah. for six months. No. 
So that is a, that is a totally that was a new experience for me. Because what's the weather like in southern India? Uh, it's uh, temperature never goes down twenty five. <laughs> okay. And, you know, so the temperature in Kerala, 30-35. Okay, so you grew up in that in that climate, yeah. and then you go to Kashmir and it's minus whatever it is yeah, up there. Right. Okay, so that is really tough, isn't it? That's hard. Yeah, that that was uh, one of the experiences. Then other was uh, I was living with a Muslim family. Okay. And whatever they were cooking, and uh, you know experiencing their day-to-day life, how it looked uh, uh, for me, like how it looked uh, being a Muslim, how they live everyday life, and that was very uh, interesting. And also knowing them and falling in love with the Muslims Mm. uh, in the valley. And and, um, yeah, it was a very exciting, very interesting time for me. Yeah, yeah. Now, um after your time in Kashmir, uh, you completed a six-month uh, training with a Christian volunteer organization and then went to uh, a school of Islamic studies. And then you went back to Kashmir uh, to tell people, um, the Muslim people, about Jesus. Um, so why did, you, why, did you go to do, why did you go to school uh, to do these studies uh, and then, obviously, you went back to um, Kashmir. Uh, tell us, so tell us about that time in your life. And, and was, obviously, God was drawing you to, to reach out to the Muslim people, was he? No, I, since I was born in a Christian family, I didn't know anything about Islam. Yeah. And uh, when God uh, called me, when I sensed that God is calling me to work among the Muslims, and I thought it would be a good idea to understand a little bit about Islam. Yes. So I joined the organization of training for three months, and then I went there for uh, three years as an intern uh, to do my internship. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, so that gave me a better perspective about Islam and learning their culture, be sensitive to them, and also. Uh, reduce some of my own personal bias and prejudice. Okay, prejudices, yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, that gave me a, a good perspective uh, to love Muslims and, and to love them the way God wants us. Hmm. I'm not saying that I I know uh, I love them uh, the way God, but uh, God, it was kind of process, you know, learning uh, from the school and uh, knowing Muslims and uh, being with them. Yeah. How did you find that, living with them? And, and I guess there must have been opportunities to share your faith with them. Yes. Um, yeah, that, that was incredible. I mean, they watch your life. I mean, you cannot preach much there because you don't want to say that you are a missionary. You are there in their home, to, you know, staying to do the mission work. And uh, I was working as a school teacher. Okay. I was teaching one of the uh, largest Muslim schools in Kashmir hmm. as a Christian uh, teacher, hmm. teaching ethics and moral science. Okay. And um, so my identity was as a teacher. Okay. So then uh, people see me, what I do, and wh- what I eat, what I drink, 
and how I behave. And basically, uh, you know, the gospel <laughs> you need to leave out. Yeah. And uh, then you build the relationship, build friendship and trust. Then people start opening up. Really? And some of the uh, toughest questions were people uh, were asking me, oh, do you eat pork? Do you eat pork, yeah. And do you drink alcohol? Yes. And, um, yeah, and uh, I need to give up those. Th- I mean, uh, I never had alcohol, but eating pork, and I had to give up. And God challenged me, and he gave me a grace uh, to give up. <laughs> really? Uh, for the uh, last 22 years. And when when they know that you don't eat those things, and people become more closer. Okay. They uh, they are free to come to you and drink uh, from you or eat from your house. Yes. Like yes. So it's built about building relationships with them. That's right. Is that right? You're reminding them of a lovely verse in in one Thessalonians chapter one, which talks about Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy bringing the gospel to the Thessalonians, and it said that we our gospel came to you not in word only. Um, but in um, in power with the Holy Spirit, with full conviction, and then it says, just as you know, um, what example we set you, you know how we behaved amongst you, and so just as you said there, when they Paul, Thomas, and Timothy brought the gospel to the Thessalonians, it was in those four ways: by word, Holy Spirit, um, power, uh, full conviction, but also by the way that they lived, and that's what you're saying there, isn't it? So they were watching you, and uh, and that led to conversations, did they? Did it? Yes, and that um, uh, helped them to relate to you, and that helped me to relate them. Yeah. To develop a conversation about. And then I think our good life is not enough in avoiding pork or in avoiding our own cultural baggage. I think gospel must be preached. And yes. This create your our life create a platform, or um, you know opportunity people ask you or people see you or you are different and you know Muslims have prejudice and they have bias as we do yeah so then they see us and uh, our life our word our integrity yes and our openness yes and that create a platform to share gospel really yeah. and and what sort of response did you get when you shared the gospel with people um you know, some people are really open and some people are not really open. And, yeah. And uh, since uh, Islam has uh, uh, universal claims, and uh, people, majority of the people they follow their leader. Or, yes. Uh, or uh, a priest or whatever. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, now, um, <clears throat> you. You had a time working um, with this uh, as a national worker with this volunteer organization um, where you were working alone. Uh, you found yourself alone. Uh, what are the dangers of Christians working alone? Yeah. I think your own pers- you, know, you are walking your own personal risk. Uh, first of all, you are isolated from the rest of the people whom God has called to work together in unity. Yeah. The second one is you are uh, you you feel lonely and you you need a people mm. and you are in a battlefield and you are, you need a people to support you. Yes. You need a people to pray with you. Yes. You people to see you. Yes. And, and you feel a loneliness. Mm. Uh, and also, you know. 
when you are alone, there is no accountability. No accountability. No accountability. Yeah. yeah. And I think it is important aspect of your life, mm. of mm. anyone's life, having somebody mm. holding accountable. Yeah. It is not, uh, oh, you know, oh, can I do this one? It is not about that one. You know, you 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 have your own dark times, and you need somebody to share. Yeah. Because you wanted to keep going, you don't want to stay there. No. You keep going, and you need somebody to come around you and, and share your heart, mm. and your thoughts, and mm. feeling. And another danger thing is, and I really loved Muslims, and I, uh, I was so passionate about uh, mission, what God wants me to do, but I was slowly missing out God Himself. That is one of the biggest uh, dangers that uh, I was experiencing and uh, even I was in a, a situation I thought okay I will become a Muslim so that uh, I can win more people hmm. and I was tempted because I don't have other people to ask me questions and yep. I don't have uh, uh, people to you know I, I know that they, they call me or they pray with me or they say, you know but I thought okay oh, it is uh, Islam looks great um, and people are really nice people and especially the family I was staying with, mm. and others I met, and I thought, okay, it, it would be a great idea to become <laughs> a Muslim and leave us a, a Christian and reach out people by now. So I think that is one of the big, uh, dangerous, uh, you know, line uh, I could, uh, yeah, um, you know, yeah, across. Yeah, yeah. Now you have been working amongst the Muslim people for twenty-two years. Why do you do this? And, uh, I think Muslims are the largest unreached people groups in the world. That is one of the reasons. Another reason, um, and, and uh, I felt that God is calling me, and God is leading me to this one. The third reason, it is important what we need to do than what we wanted to do. And, uh, so just to say, it's important that we do what? What we need to do. What we need to do. Yeah. Rather what than... What we want to do. Rather, what I mean is... Okay. <laughs> Islam, uh, Muslims are the largest unreached people group in the world. And they are the fast-growing religion by birth. Hmm. Within... Uh, 30 or 50 years, and if Muslim population grow stably, and they will be the largest religion in the world. And it's a greater challenge for Christians mm. to reach out Muslims. Yeah. And if we don't reach, there will be a time they will reach us. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we know the story. We, history teaches uh, what about the Middle East and the, the Christian churches were there. Yeah. So they totally wiped out and, yes and, and I think it is important and, mm. and uh, about all I think it's God's heart and God's love and Jesus died for them yes and and he paid for their price yes and God wants Christian to reach Muslims yeah fantastic fantastic um, for those who have a heart to reach out to the Muslim communities in our country here in in England uh, and the United Kingdom uh, what lessons have you learnt over your time working with Muslims in India and Kashmir that, that perhaps we could apply here in the UK? 
Um, yeah, that's a good question. And I have been thinking about that one <laughs> uh, while I have been here. Um, and I think uh, one of the reasons is a building friendship. Yes. And Muslims are open. And uh, our friendship would really uh, works well. And they, they need, when they are away from their country, culture, yes. and people, and they will be looking for someone whom they can meet or, mm. or you know, share their hearts. Or mm. Just uh, even for a casual talk. Yes. And the other thing is probably opening up Christian homes and uh, providing hospitality. Yes. Even accommodating uh, university students. Yes. Or meeting a family or... And uh, I know the culture is quite different than uh, other part of the, uh, you know, Asian world or African world. And I think there is always an opportunity, and uh, you know, opportunity. And sometimes we are very worried and concerned about Muslims because of the news in the media. Oh, they are terrible. They are. Yeah. It's not true. Mm. And I myself stayed in a Muslim home for a year. Yes. And there, you know, there are good people. Yes. Good people. And, yes. And if Christians, um, we come out and boldly take initiative and, and invite people yes. to our homes or yes. friendship. Yes. And I think. Uh, and they believe so, Jesus was a prophet, don't they? Yes, they do, and that is a, another great uh, opportunity for our platform for us to talk about. Yeah. For example, well, what do you think about Jesus? Yeah. Um, you know, just dialoguing yes. uh, with the Muslims. Yes. Uh, because they are interested in spiritual things. They are mm. serious with their faith and, and faith in God. Yes. So uh, so do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, is a, it is a greater opportunity mm. uh, for us to Very reach, good. make those bridges. And Very good. So have a heart and a, a build friendships, hospitality, and have an openness of conversation. That's great. Now, I understand that you're also on another mission, and that is to distribute Bibles. Um, how did this start, and how has this developed uh, over the last few years? Um, yes, I think uh, it was in me when I was a child, and I used to go with, with my pastor to distribute literature when I was uh, 10, 11 years old. And then I came to Bible College uh, during uh, vacation. Uh, we form teams and we distribute uh, literature uh, in the capital, Delhi City. Did you? Uh, yes. How did how did you do that? I mean, you just walked around the streets or knocked on people's doors or how how did you we do that? We just walk around and went in front of people's door, knock at people's door, and whomever we meet, we just came. You just hand out, hand out literature. The literature. Really, in the local language, of course. Yeah, local language. And there are lots of languages in India, aren't yes. there? Yes. Uh, yeah, we have a, a lots and lots of languages. <laughs> Every one kilometer, you uh, see the changes in language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then uh, when I was working in Jammu, and we used to take cycle and we, we distribute. Uh, when I came to Waivam, um, especially working in Delhi, and we felt a little bit of a challenge uh, because of the community where we were living. Because everybody uh, is professionals, and, and you know, the situation a little bit similar like here <laughs> in Oxford. 
and uh, people are not that receptive. We felt, yes, but we never tried. Then we got an idea. Oh, why don't we bake some, uh, you know, Christmas cake or you know cookies, and uh, distribute, uh, you know, cake and cookies. Everybody likes cake yeah. and cookies. <laughs> Along with the Bible, so we started in our colony, and people asked, oh, "What a lovely thing!" And why didn't you come earlier? We were shocked, and it was our own um, preconceived idea. People will not, you know, take the Bible. So people welcome Bible with a cake. (laughs) (laughs) We have a a, a, with. uh, I mean, it's interesting you say that. Every once in a while, uh, within the ministry, we we do a a program on Facebook called uh, Bible and Cake. (laughs) That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, people. Um, very receptive, and my myself and my wife and daughter we start doing that one uh, in our colony or in our area. And my daughter was, you know, packing up uh, cake and cookies and Bible and distributing her, uh, you know, friends and teachers in the school. And the majority of the students in her class were Muslim background. Okay. So we felt great, and they did not. They did not refuse. Yep. They were gladly received. And wow. we thought, okay, God, if God already prepared and prepared people's heart, and why don't we do a little bit more? Then we brought different people, and we started mobilizing. Then we we were into bigger mobilization, the Bible, and uh, uh, for the last five, six years, and, and we have been doing it in the city. So this is in Delhi? Yeah, this is in Delhi. And are you still distributing cakes with the Bibles? I'm not. I mean, for we did only in our community. Okay. In Delhi, we have a 23 to 24 million uh, people. So you can imagine how many cakes we <laughs> did to make. So tell me, how? So when did? What year did you start this? We started in 2013. 2013. And how many Bibles have you distributed since 2013? We distributed over uh, three million. Three million Bibles. Yes. <laughs> we mobilized people and resources from church and different organizations, and we did it. Is that right? That is incredible. Thank you. And, and um, are you continuing to do this? You, you're yes. going to continue to do this? Yes. What is your goal? And we have a few people in Delhi they are doing regularly. And, you know, right now I'm here for the last few months, and so I'm encouraging people and mobilizing resources yeah. and, uh, you know, collecting uh, Bible copies. And we distribute New Testament uh, to the people. There are people continuously doing it. Really? So our, our target is, you know, everyone gets Bible. Everyone? everyone in the city? In the city. So your aim is to get t- yes. 24 million yes. Bibles out? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a kind of goal, and God has been faithful <laughs> helping us to distribute and, uh, and are you allowed to say where you get the Bibles from? Um, I would uh, probably name the organization, but the, you know there are uh, organizations and churches and individuals um, who uh, you know contribute yes. to the Bible copies to us. Yes, and then you hand them out. Yeah, yeah. Goodness me! And in between, and if the, the listeners, if you are dis- investing uh, money in the Bible, the printing and, and uh, you know, pro- production, 
that's amazing. Yes. And uh, please do. And uh, people like you are investing mm. uh, in the Bible. We mm. are able to give freely. Amen. Uh, oh, city. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And we need people to distribute Bibles, but we also need people to teach them how to study it, yes. which yes. is obviously our yes. connection. Um, as a ministry, you know, precept ministries, again, if you're listening to this and you've got a Bible and you, you really want to study it and, and get to know the Lord better, please contact us. In fact, Precept Ministries is very active in India. In fact, you have a very good friend, don't you, um, who runs the ministry yes, yes. in India, Shuresh Thomas. Yes. And I would just like to actually uh, take this time to thank you, Sibi, so much, because there was a time when our second son, Daniel, was in India and going through a very difficult time. And we contacted Shuresh Thomas uh, as our colleague in India and said, look, is there any way that you could go and try and get hold of Daniel and help him? And he contacted you, didn't he? And you went to go and see Daniel and was so kind. Um, so it's a blessing to have you here in the UK at the time, although you're doing your studies, um, to be able to thank you. So, so thank you so much. And, and there's a very precious verse, isn't there, to you in Isaiah about the word of God. Yeah. Do you want to? I think, that, yeah, that was, uh, that was another motivation uh, to do. And uh, we're reading from the book of Isaiah. So my word shall never return without accomplishing its purpose. And we felt if God took a guarantee to accomplish his work through his word, this is most important thing we all Christians need to do and giving out God's word. Yeah. And yeah. So that was really, really challenging. That is our confidence and that's your confidence yes. that it will not return void yes. from uh, from accomplishing its purposes yes. for which it was sent. So that motivates you to, to hand out these Bibles. Yeah. Well, I hope that those of you that are listening, uh, I have been extremely challenged, I have to say, um, talking to Sibby about having uh, overseen the distribution of three, three million Bibles uh, in the city of Delhi. Wow, that is incredible. Uh, maybe there's somebody listening to this who may be motivated to do a similar thing in London. Um, I don't think we have 23 million there. I think we have about 6 million people in London. But how amazing is that? Um, now, um, in the um, midst of all your work and traveling and teaching and distributing Bibles, you're currently doing a part-time PhD at the Oxford Center for Mission Studies. Um, how, how did you get to be doing that? My answer would be only God knows. <laughs> um, I met one of the uh, one of my friends who did um, this study here, and uh, his life was very inspiring and, and encouraging. And and he looked at me, uh, the things of what God is doing uh, through me, and he said, "It would be a good idea, great idea. You go to uh, Oxford, do this uh, studies." And and he really pushed me and. And uh, and encourage me to do that one. That was uh, one of the reasons. The second one was, and I I always thought about doing some study, but then uh, I I never got an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, uh, most of my studies were uh, I was doing through uh, you know online or yeah um, external uh, being in missions. And, yes. And it was it was absolutely God's providence and God's direction. And, and 
things what I'm doing, my responsibility, and, and I never thought I could do that one. Yeah. I, I felt God is leading me to do that one. Mm. And he opened the door, and he, he blessed me with the uh, resources. And, uh, amazing progress. To be able to come. Yes. Incredible. And it's a part-time PhD, isn't it? It's a part-time PhD. So over a number of years, so you'll be coming back, what, sort of for... for short weeks each, yeah, each year. God willing and I, I have to be here for six to uh, seven weeks uh, yeah probably two months yeah uh, time to time I, until I finish my uh, program yeah and, yeah, uh, and what, what is the program that you're doing what are, what are the studies you're doing uh, I'm doing my part time PhD and I'm looking at Christian Muslim dialogue on God Christian Muslim dialogue on God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's, how are the studies going? It's going okay. It's going slow. And I mean, uh, yeah, this is a I'm, a. I'm a practitioner. Yes. Not an academician. Okay. But then, uh, yeah, it's, it is going okay. Yeah. A little bit slow. And I hope it will <laughs> faster. I think every study is like that. But you're coping with it, are you? Yes. Yeah, yes. you've got some good tutors. Yes, I have a brilliant tutor. Uh, yeah, he's from India, so he understands my world. <laughs> oh, that, uh, oh, that is... Really a super guy. Really? Yes. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Very thankful to Isn't that wonderful? Now, now um, why is the Bible important to you? I read, uh, when I was a teenager we never love God more than we love God's word we never love God, love God more, more than, his word. than his word okay interesting and that really gripped me when I was a teenager mm. and other thing so is, in other words if we don't love his word then we don't love God is yes, what you're saying yes yeah and other thing is uh, God revealed himself through his word so if, we, if if I want to know God, I, you know, I need to know His Word, the revelation, the God's Word about His Himself, yeah. His revelation, His glory. So, if I'm a believer, yes, I think this is important uh, to have His Word and know Him through yeah. His Word. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's such a simple truth that you said there. Um, you know that. If we want to know God, we have got to read his word. And that's actually what got me when uh, we went away to a Christian uh, weekend many years ago. And um, the the great speaker, fantastic teacher of God's word, this guy. And I said, you know, I'd love to know God like you know the word, uh, like like you know God. And he said, well, you've got to read and study the Bible. And I said, well, I I don't know how to do that. And he said, well, pray and, you know, start reading it. And and that's when uh, about two years later we came across Precept Ministries. Which was actually so. It, it, God was answering my cry for help <laughs> to get to know Him. By by, um, I came across a book review about how to study the Bible, and uh, that's what it's called: How to Study the Bible by K. Arthur. And I bought this book, and I read this book, and I said, "This is this is actually teaching me how to study the Bible." And that was twenty two years ago, twenty three years ago. And so I so concur with what you're saying. You know, God has revealed himself in the Bible. And so if we want to know God, the true God, the one true God, we have got to read the Bible. 
and uh, that's why I love I love the ministry that I'm involved with because it's teaching people to get to know God yeah. by giving them the practical that's skills right. to study the word and I remember uh, Jesus said those who hear my words and obey and they will be like a man who built his house on the rock yeah now, I wonder my life built on the rock. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favourite book of the Bible, or, or, yeah, oh, yes. do you, have, you do. Oh, yes. Go on then. Who's your favourite book, oh, and maybe a favourite character as well? Um, book of Acts is my favourite book in the Bible. The Book of Acts. So why is that? Um, and the author, he, he, he is, he is said there. You know, in the Book of Luke, what Jesus began to do. Is recording. The book of Acts is what Jesus is continuing. Uh, other thing is, the uh, book of Acts uh, doesn't end. It doesn't have ends. That means, Nigel's story, <laughs> my story, all other Christian stories can be added in that book. Oh. Another thing is, uh, the, the, this simple disciple and how they believed and how they obeyed what Jesus said to them. Yeah. And exactly they did. That's a his, that is a story of the book of Acts. And how the simple disciple completely obeyed God and just did what he said. Mm. Go and make disciples. Mm. Mm. So the book of Acts is kind of a history. If there is no book of Acts, no Corinthians, no if. Efficient. Yeah. No Galatians. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philippians. Yeah, they all fit in there, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. What about a personality, a Bible character? I, I like Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you might say that. <laughs> <laughs> because of the Book of Acts and Paul's story and how he is, um, you know, starting his journey and taking gospel from Jerusalem to Rome, which is the center of, of the world. And he thought, if I could get the gospel in Rome, mm. and gospel could go the rest of the world. Yeah. And and Paul, and and I I I I, I like him because he's so passionate about God mm. more than mission. Mm. And and he's a scholar. He he was a scholar. He was a writer. He was a theologian. He had an encounter with God and planted many churches mm. and missionary a hero. Mm. He said, I want to know Christ. Yeah. Nothing is compared to knowing Christ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and for, for Paul, his knowledge and understanding and experience of God is like an um, appetizer. Mm. The main course is Jesus himself. Mm. And he was so passionate, and I like his passion, and I pray, and, and I, I, this is my desire, and I want to know Christ. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, do you have a favorite Bible verse? Yes, Philippians chapter 3, 10 and 11. Okay. I want to know Christ. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is, uh, I think, um, yeah, that's pretty simple, isn't it? <laughs> I really want to know Christ. <laughs> Yeah. Um, now you have a wife and a daughter, um, 
and you are going to be uh, leaving Oxford in England shortly to to go back to India. Uh, What do you hope for on your return to India regarding uh, what the Lord is calling you to do? Um, What is your goal, your mission when you go back? Uh, Apart from uh, reaching our Muslims or Bible distribution, and I also have a heart for mobilizing Christians to reach a Muslim world. Uh, Now we have a uh, I, I am mobilizing. Um, invo- I am involved in mobilizing people uh, in different locations. Uh, as soon as I uh, reach India, I will be visiting um, some of the locations and encourage brothers and sisters who are involved in this work. And uh, and we also have a heart for Maldivians. Maldivians. Yes. Okay. And, uh, Those from the Maldives. Yes. Okay. Uh, Maldivian diasporas and they. Uh, about uh, ten percent of them living in living Kerala. Are they? Gosh. So we cannot take Bible or literature and distribute in the island. You can't do that. But it's interesting. You say Maldives in England, and people think of beaches and holidays, <laughs> and but you're saying people that live in the Maldives actually leave, leave the Maldives yes, to go and live in India. Yes. I mean that you know you can't imagine that living in England, not leaving the Maldives because people just have a oh if only I could live in the Maldives, you know. Yeah, I'm living in, yeah, making their livelihood there. Okay. And uh, about 4 million, uh, sorry, uh, 400,000 people in, you know, living in Maldives. Yes. And uh, we have hard for them and uh, we mobilize people to reach out. So when you say you mobilize people, you're, you're, you're discipling them yeah, to discipling dis- them, training them, and providing uh, you know, different materials to reach uh, people. Yeah. And uh, we basically organize outreaches. Yes. You know, for example, Call ten people and take them, and give some literature, and ask them to go and talk to Muslims or Maldivians. Yeah. So when they come, return, we ask question: What happened? So the we just without any training, uh, maybe a little primary, uh, preliminary, you know, information. Yeah. They go with the minimum, and distribute and share their experience. And there they ask a hard questions. So, oh, I had a tough time. Then we ask them, what would you do? Then we look at the Bible, what Bible tells them. So we do an ongoing training like that. Huh. So I have a few locations and I will be going there and meeting my friends and, uh, you know, yeah. um, catching yeah. up with them. And also, we also have a heart for, uh, my wife is actively involved in uh, Rohingya community, you know, Rohingya refugees. Yes, the refugees. Yes. Yes. My wife is actively involved. Is she? Yeah. Is she? So we have a preschool. We are trying to help them with the uh, practical needs. Yeah. And we want to see, uh, you know, they come to know Jesus. Mm, that is yes. wonderful. So full, full on for Jesus and training other people to tell others about Jesus. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, how can we pray for you? We pray that God would give us more knowledge of him and we'll be passionate for him and also we will obey him completely mm. Mm. that's what that's mm. what we so a greater knowledge of God yes. greater passion for God yes. and a greater obedience yes. to follow him well I think that's a wonderful place to finish um, and it's a challenge to all of us Sibi um Thank you so much for being willing to uh, 
come on the podcast today. I appreciate that so much. Uh, you've been a blessing to our family, and I know that you are a blessing to many, many people back in India. Um, you're still a young guy, <laughs> and uh, you've already distributed three million Bibles. <laughs> and uh, I know you've got the uh, city of Delhi on your heart, um, and uh, I'm sure you will do that. Uh, one day you will be able to distribute uh, Bibles to all those people. What an incredible um, thing for that to happen. So, so thank you. God bless you in your studies. Thank you so much, and uh, it is uh, really a privilege <laughs> for me to speak. And, and I thank you for your friendship and oh. your Christian love. You're yeah. so blessed. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Series 6 of the Bible and Me podcast by Preset Ministries. If you enjoyed what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review. For more information on the inductive study method or any of our online resources or downloads, please visit www.precept.org.uk. But until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>